0: Tree, you and me, Heritage Tree, a big family. Welcome to Heritage Tree, where we talk about heritage care and development for people and organizations. And now to our host, Dr. Dina Michelle Roscoe. In the verse 13, and now abide, faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest Of these is love. And then, verse 1 of chapter 14 pursue love. And then it goes on to talk about spiritual gifts, but pursue love. Perhaps the just live by faith because they're pursuing love. They're pursuing something they can't see yet, but they're putting their hope in, their confidence in right now that they will see Christ one day, that every day that passes is one day closer to Him. When he comes back and raises the dead, hallelujah. And when we are together with him in the clouds, describes this in Second Corinthians 5, 1 Thessalonians 4, and Revelation 19 to 21 describes the transformation. But Romans 8 goes into again the love of God, that we're putting our hope in this love. Romans 8, verse 31. What then? Shall we say to these things, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Now I want to pause there. This is important. Satan is written about in the scripture as being the great accuser. Jesus himself referred to Satan as the father of lies, a thief, a murderer. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. He is on an agenda, a mission of harm. And I go into previous episodes as to how that relates to topics like abuse and scoffing and pride-based systems or what I refer to in the book as systems anti the Christ. But here we're seeing who shall bring a charge against God's elect. In book two, I go at length into God's wrath as well, on the one day of wrath. See, we think as people we are entitled to burn at wrath and anger or to be justified in something for a long time. But that justification impulse is very closely connected to the way we will believe we are justified in violence. It is almost as a trigger to violence. When we feel justified in something and we have to check in and ask, what is it that I'm putting my faith in? What is it I'm expecting for justice in this moment, in this situation, in this reaction? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Who is accusing you of something? What are you accusing someone else of something? We get caught up in this rancor in our debates on social media, and it's not just the posts of links or disinformation or troll farms that are out there. It's not that deception. It's not just the algorithms. It's the comments that we avail ourselves to. It's the argumentation. Remember that any operative will embed him or herself in an existing cultural norm. It's an easy, quick grab. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? And sometimes I wish I could rise up that indignation in myself as in saying, who shall bring a charge against me when something is unjust or you or something is unfair or not right in the world? Where is that indignation instead of fear, right? That holy anger, if you will, that righteous anger. Well, it says here, it is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Now, wait a minute. So Christ died. He suffered the condemnation then. It's God who justifies. Okay, yes. But wait a minute. Isn't this a surprising turn? It's compelling that Christ chose to use his situation to intercede for us, to serve. Verse 35, still in chapter 8 of Romans, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Again, the Apostle Paul went through these challenges himself, and he describes them in his letter to Corinth, and also in Hebrews, the honor roll of faith. Many prophets of yore went through these, and Jesus said that if someone says horrible things about you and accuses you of things that aren't true and has done you wrong, well, so they persecuted the prophets. And Jesus, as a prophet in his hometown, was not welcome. Those were his words. So where does this leave us? Verse 36, as it is written, it gets worse, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. This is quoting Psalm 44, verse 22, verse 37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for I am persuaded. So again, also Paul said in first Corinthians 13 to pursue love He says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He is putting his confidence, his benchmark, his hope, his power on the love of God. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, Shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When has that verse or knowledge mattered to you? When have you clung to that like nothing else? Is this a first time you've heard of that? That God's love can give us so much confidence. The just shall live by faith. Indeed, the promise of God to Abraham was one of familial love, that he was going to give Abraham and Sarah descendants that would be so numerous, as numerous as the sand on the seashore or the stars in the sky says, that they would bless the nations. They wouldn't just be available to conquer the nations. They weren't going to exist just to hoard the blessing to themselves as Jesus in a priestly move, in a way, making intercession, they would bless the nations. That is the work of Jesus in his one display of wrath that we witness in the gospel accounts when he goes into the temple. And what does he see? People praying and making intercession for others, for their suffering neighbors. People praying and making intercessions for their own vices (laughs) instead of acting upon them. This is the power of faith that we are turning to spiritual disciplines where the word of God in Ephesians is written about as a sword. It's the sword of the spirit to dismantle and take down and tear down uh, strongholds. Now, remember that next time you're in an argument with your spouse or your child or or your coworker or your boss or somebody, you know, what are you pulling nearest to you? What's your nearest grab for that situation? Are you wanting peace and goodwill? Are you wanting everyone to be okay? Are you wanting to... Uh, open the floodgates to, you know, that impulse of of anger and fear that can really just be so very triggering, and we can feel that in our bodies, are we expecting other people to manage that? Are we saying, oh, if someone else is reacting in hurt or anger at our actions, that it's just their fault because it's such a ridiculous display? Or are we going to, at any point along this conversation, accept responsibility for our actions? Taking a pause and a breath, we remember that it's the love of God that compels us. And if we're acting on anything else, it's time for a reset. That's how the just shall live by faith. It's not faith as this static trait that is an image to put forward of our identity, it's faith as an action. The just shall live by faith without. Acting on our faith, the faith dies, the scripture teaches. It's something to nurture like you would a garden and take care of it or the weeds will overgrow it. How did Jesus act on his faith? When he entrusted himself to God justly, what did he do? In my books, I talk about the three ministries of Christ, at least three on the cross. There are others. Of course, we know of his healing ministry while he was living and walking this earth. And we know of how he raised people from the dead. But what was the catalyst for that for him? He gazed upon the crowds with compassion because he saw that they were sheep. They were helpless, hapless. They were without a shepherd, without a proper head, if you will. I use that phrase a lot. They were without someone to lead and guide them, not just lead them cognitively or rationally or business wise, not just teach them or guide them to some kind of decisional place. He led and guided them with his love. And in this world, unfortunately, a display of love means sacrifice. And this goes back to the old-fashioned gospel of saying that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. This is again in Hebrews and reading through the books of Numbers and Leviticus, you read how God set up all these different practices. And I go into that in other episodes. The point is that there's going to be some kind of reckoning when we have a change of heart. In Ezekiel, it says God will exchange our heart of stone for a heart of flesh. Jesus decried the, the religious leaders of his day for wanting to justify divorce because he said, It's a condition of your heart that matters in that. It's not the details of whether or not you can do it. Remember in Corinthians, it says, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. We have freedom and liberty to do many things, but does it benefit? And again, this is where this conversation of what is our hope in? Who are we hoping in? What are we expecting or trusting to bring about by our efforts? So I definitely feel an imposter almost in this message, because I don't think I'm very good at living out faith. I often might feel afraid or being a survivor, having a history of trauma, it wires your brain and body differently. And the good news is, is we can relearn, we can heal, and it takes time, it takes effort, it takes repetition. And it also takes safe, supportive communities. A verse I often quote that met me early on in this journey over 20 years ago, 1 John 4, verse 18 to 19. Perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with judgment, and the one who fears is not made perfect in love. There's that word again, perfect. Did not we just talk about that a moment ago? When God says, be perfect as I am perfect. What does that mean? Does that mean flawless? Does that mean exceptional quality? Does that mean knowing everything or superiority? No, because listen, one sure practice that you can do every day in a moment, if you're feeling anxious or angry, God, you are good. Only you are great and worthy to be praised. I confess, I feel anxious. I feel angry about fill in the blank. The truth is, fill in the blank, if you're studying scripture, you can put in a scripture in that about the truth. It can feel in times of grief, like you're drowning in it. There's tears in your ears. And you can call and say, Lord, I feel forsaken. I feel anxious that I'm going to fall apart at this. And the truth is that you hold me together. The truth is that no one can snatch me from your hand. The truth is that not even death will separate me from your love. And so the moment of faith for me in those moments was to receive that with gratitude, not despair, because it was tempting to feel even more fear at that promise. For example, nothing separating us from God's love. When I was asking God to help me with this particular grief and a particular situation of loss and anticipated loss of someone I love, the Lord brought this verse. And we often hope that our prayers will have the power to change the situation, that it won't happen. We all know, and my dad often quotes, that it is destined for people to die once and then the judgment, (laughs) and it's good old-fashioned preaching, right? And it is in the Word, and it is there. It's true. It's true. And for me, facing that is hard. I attach to people. I care about people. Certain personalities, I think, grieve and passage through challenges differently. For me, you know, I put a lot of confidence in the communities in my life. And it was a reminder to me that that confidence needs to be in God's love for me, that I'm also on that journey. They or I are not better than the other each other that we are sharing this journey together. Let's pray. Lord, there's so much more to say in so little time, but let us live out what we do know of you. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Build us up, God, in these words. Help us have more courage, a little bit more resilience today. Help us to get better at putting our hope in you and therefore live more just and peaceable lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. If you like what you heard, tip us at the link below and inquire, subscribe, and shop our merchandise label of Heritage Tree and Heritage at dinamichellerosco.com and dogwoodgroup.io. Come back again when we gather around the Heritage Tree.